But before I get started, um, why don't you just pray with me? I know we've prayed like four times already, but it's a good thing to pray. Dear God, thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for Holy Spirit. And most importantly, we thank you for Jesus. So God, I pray that this would be a, this would be a defining night, to be a defining day, not just because of the words that are spoken, but because of the relationships that are built, because of the encouragement that's gonna go forth. And God, the love that's being poured out, God, your love that's being poured out into the hearts of man and woman. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, we're going to get started today. Um, have you ever noticed that we as people love to find things that are wrong, right? So like, you go to, you go to school, I think we're trained in this. You go to school, you, you take a test, you take a quiz, and then you, you get like this thing. You know what I'm talking about? The red pen. The red marker. The red marking that shows all the things that you've done wrong. And then you get your paper back. They don't give you a smiley face or anything for getting a right answer. They just mark it wrong. So from a young age, we're trained to find what's wrong. So I actually heard something that teach, so I went to school to be an elementary school teacher. I know I've shared that a ton, but they actually teach us don't use red pen because it's psychologically hurtful to the kids <laughs> to use red pen. It actually emits negative emotions to the kids. So use a, use a nice color like blue. Here's my thinking. If you use blue, then blue's going to be the bad color. I mean, it's just weird. But you know, have you also noticed this is totally random? So this is why my messages never go at shorter is what I always say they're going to be. Have you ever noticed that like most like fast food restaurants like have red in them? Have you guys noticed that? I think it's because they try to like make the connection between like us being like depressed and like because we got things wrong in our tests and we were young. So we just want like want to eat. So we're like red, depressed. Okay, let's go eat. Let's go eat McDonald's. So from a young age, we're trained. We're trained to like find the faults or find the negative things or find the problems. We're always finding the problems. And there's a story that Andrew, I was talking to him a little bit about what we we're going to speak about. And Andrew, I was talking to him and he's like, yeah, there's a story about a professor, a psychology professor who comes in, has a big whiteboard and, and starts writing like one plus two equals three. And then it goes one plus three equals four. And then it goes one plus four equals six. And one plus five equals six. And then one plus six equals seven. And then all the kids just start laughing. And they're like, <laughs> you don't even know what one plus four is. And the professor, he, he did it to prove a point that says, you most often never realize what people do right. You most often only realize what they do wrong. <laughs> I was going to do that to you guys, but I didn't want to make you feel too bad. Um, and then you get like in sports and you only, often only remember the, the, the mistakes that you've made. If you're playing football, you're playing golf, if, especially if you're playing golf. We have any golfers here? Like two, sweet. So this isn't going to apply to anyone. But Kevin, I know it would apply to you, so you'll like this one. So you golf and you remember the whole round, and then you're like, oh, that one hole out of 18. That one hole, if I, just, I, if I wouldn't have shanked it to the right, 
into the woods, down into the creek, then I would have scored, you know, I had my best round ever, if only for that one hole. Or football, you, you play a whole game, then you only remember the one play, that, the, the interception that you threw, or the missed tackle that you had. If I only would have made that one tackle, the whole game would have changed. Or basketball, if I would have only made that one free throw, that one shot, cheerleading, if I would have just stuck it, <laughs> then I, we would have won the match. Tennis, if I wouldn't have hit it into the net. I'm trying to get all the sports here so people, most people can. If I'm like mountain biking, is that, yeah, that's right. If I wouldn't have been uncoordinated and hit a tree. <laughs> that's for Johnny, Kip, and Austin. We find, often find the problems, like the, the things that we just, ugh, it's just natural. Then, then we got, then we got church. Dun, dun, dun. Church. So you guys come to a service like this. Um, you come with people, you leave, and then, you, and then we say things like this. I've done it. I'm just, it's funny. So, what do you think of the service tonight? What do you think of the service? Did Pastor Jake say anything heretical today? <laughs> so we sit, and then we, then we have a conversation, and I might go like this. Yeah, you know, I liked it, but the music was just a little bit too loud. I liked it, but... I just wasn't digging Jake's shirt. Stop hating. I liked it, but there was just, I didn't really connect with what he had to say. I liked everything he said except for the one thing when he, when he talked about this, I thought he was incorrect about that. I thought he was, I thought he was off on that point. So we have a whole a whole night of, of worship and, and putting our focus on God, putting our focus on Jesus, and then we afterwards we talk about it and we find the thing that we didn't like. I'm very guilty of that. I go to a lot of church services, so it's like, sometimes if I'm not careful, that's what happens. But I recognize that. We like to find the negative. It's almost as if we've been trained to find the negative or train to find the problem. But good thing we're new creations, right? So when we, when, we, when we put on Christ, when we receive him, when we say yes to Jesus, our mind and our focus is supposed to shift. So I want to read a verse with you. Luke 6, 41 through 42. It says, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Yee. So we have Jesus talking and he's talking about judgment. He's talking about hypocrisy. He's talking about people who find faults in other people and ignore their own faults, right? So they have a log. <laughs> it's like this. It's hilarious. It's like, so you have a speck, right? Here's a speck. So you have a log and then, you, and then Bobby, come up here. Boom, he can jump. 
Who's that white man can't jump? <laughs> it's like me going like, dude, Bobby. Bobby, you got like a speck in your eye, man. You should probably take care of that. You really have a problem. <laughs> you have a problem, man. You need to get that speck out of your eye. Like right now. I really think it'd be, brother, brother, brother. It's okay, I can help you. I can help you. You have a speck in it. You know, okay, I'm just being weird, okay. It's like that though, we, we have our own problems, we have our own issues, but we still find the faults in other people. It's so easy for us and it's almost comforting for us to find faults in other people so that we can ignore the problems and issues that we have going on in our own lives. So we have our own issues, but it's comforting it's comforting to find somebody who has more issues than we do. <laughs> it's like, I don't have them as many issues as that guy. I'm going to hang out with him. And I'm going to ignore this thing that I'm looking at, and I'm going to try to help him figure out his problems. All the while, we have our own problems, and we just find faults. We find faults. And here's the reality about the speck in the log or speck in the plank. They're often made, or they often come from the same tree. This is what I mean by that. The, the areas that we often um, ridicule, critique, and judge in other people are often the areas that we're most insecure in. Does that make sense? So if I have, if I have anger issues, let's say I'm a, very, or I'm a negative person, I might turn to someone and say, oh my gosh, that person's so negative all the time. They're just so negative. All the time they're negative. I can't stand being around them because they're just so negative. All the time, all they want to do is just complain, 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 complain. It's like, do you fear yourself right now? You're complaining. And then, the, then the, someone else, one of their friends walks up to that person who's talking about the person who's such a negative person. They say, do you realize that you're, that you're a negative person yourself? You know, like the areas that we find, the, the speck that we find in other people's eyes and other people's lives, the problems that we see in other people, whether it's sin, whether it's a personality trait, whether it's some of their habits, the things that we find most annoying or the things that we judge most are often the same things that we are so insecure with ourselves about. So let's listen to what this says. It says, first, it says, you hypocrite. First, take out the log out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. So Jesus is saying here, it's, it's okay. God wants us to help our brothers and sisters. God wants us to be people who help. But never at the cost of judgment. He wants us to help and encourage other people and help them and pull them up. But never... Let me put it this way. If I, if I struggle in an area, who am I to help another person who's struggling less than I am? If I got a log and they got a speck, they should be helping me. So it's natural for us to be fault finders, to be, find the problem. It's, that's like our natural instinct. What it's important to realize is that we are not made to find problems. 
God did not, did not design us to find problems. He designed us actually to encourage and promote the destiny and the future of the people around us. God designed us to be people who pulled people up out of where they are to where God is called. We were made to be encouragers. You know how I know that? When's the last time you encouraged someone and how did you feel afterwards? The last time you helped someone accomplish something or help someone move from a lower area or help someone move out of an area and into another area, how, how did that make you feel? It makes us feel, it makes us feel like, wow, I'm, I'm useful. And see, we're designed to lift the people around us up. And that's what I want to talk about tonight in the last however many minutes I'm going to talk. I'm going to say 12. You guys are lucky if we get out in 12 minutes. So the the title of my message tonight is Hidden Treasures, or Hidden Treasure. And it it comes from this idea that inside of each person, inside of each individual and our lives are hidden treasures that are yet to be untapped, that are untapped, yet to be tapped into. So each person has value, each person has, has positive qualities, has, has a destiny, has good things that God has pre-planned for them to do, and they need some help from a believer, from a brother or sister for, to pull out of them in order for them to pursue it. Hidden treasure, that means you look, look to your right, look to your left, do it. The people that you're seeing, there is untapped potential inside of them that God is, God is wanting to use us to reach that potential and to identify that potential, to, uh, to identify those gifts, to identify those things that they don't believe about themselves yet. Hidden treasure. In Ephesians 2, I don't have that verse up there, but it says, you are, we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's masterpiece. So as believers, as Christians, it's our opportunity to see each other as a masterpiece. So instead of being fault finders, we need to be gold gatherers. By gold, I mean finding the gold, finding the treasure, finding the good things inside of people. We need to be people to not find the problem in people. We need to be people who find the gold in people. And I'm going to touch on this because I'm not going to touch on it anymore. There is, a, there is a time and a place to find or to identify problems in people's lives. There is a time. But when we identify the problem in someone's life, we always attach the gold to it. Does that make sense? So when you're identifying a problem or a sin in someone's life or an inconsistency, you always attach the gold or you always attach the the treasure, you always attach the future, the destiny that God has placed them in, you always attach that to it. So you never just point out the negative, you can point out the negative, but always bring them up out of the negative into their destiny. Is that catching? I need some amens then, because I got some blank faces out there. Yeah. So we need to be gold gatherers, gold spotters, gold diggers. <laughs> Maybe not gold diggers, but I was going to title the message that, but I was like, no, no I shouldn't. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up 
as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear it. Remember, we talked all about grace like the last three weeks. So our, our talk should empower people to live like Jesus. Whoa. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another and build up or build one another up just as you are doing. Therefore encourage one another. Don't find the faults, find the gold. Romans 15.5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. God's the greatest encourager ever. <laughs> If we would actually tap into what he's saying about us, we'd be like, whoa, I'm encouraged. <laughs> so what happens is the people who know, who are encouraged by God, we have to tap into that because he always wants us to be an encouragement. It's just like this. God always wants to shower us with love, but he wants to show us his love, not so that we can be loved and we can be like, I'm loved. I don't care what you say because I'm loved. I don't care what you say. I'm loved. You can say whatever you want. I'm loved. It's not that way. See, he wants us to receive his love so that we can give it. Amen. And he wants us to receive the encouragement so that we can give it. You see, he will never give us what he is not intending to use us. Well, that was, he's not, I'm sorry. It, it sounded so good in my head. He, only, he wants to give us, do you guys understand what I'm saying? Because, yeah, you understand what I've said, I'm sorry. Although that would have been a good tweetable moment. So just kind of like make up your own version. So God is the one who encourages us and we then give encouragement to others. We find gold. We don't find problems. We find the future of a person. We sit and pray and when people persecute us, we don't find the problem in the person. We understand that hurt people hurt people. And we understand that when people persecute us, we get to pray for them. Jesus says, if you want to be like me, you must be persecuted. You guys okay with that? Because I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I pray, God, I have no idea what persecution looks like. Please send someone to persecute me. I pray that. And I'm waiting for one of you to persecute me and you're just not doing it. You guys are just too loving. You're too encouraging. I don't even need to give this message. So there were some, imp there were some impactful moments in my life that that kind of shifted my perspective because I used to be a person in high school that I was, I was, I compared myself almost to everyone. And like I've said it before, comparison always ends in a ditch. You're always going to be in the wrong when you compare either one, you're going to think of yourself more highly than someone else, or two, you're going to think of yourself as more low, or you're going to think of yourself as less and you're going to be depressed or you're going to be discouraged. There's no positive that comes out of comparison. So in high school, I compare myself to a lot of people. And my youth pastor, I was, I was kind of talking and working through it, really struggling because I, I, I realized it, like I understood it, but I didn't, I didn't like it about me, but I always went back to comparison and I couldn't overcome it. And my youth pastor, he, he came and he sat down with me and he told me, he said, Jake, you're an encourager. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> like I want everyone to fail. I really did. Like I, I would loved it when like the people who I was like, I loved it when they lost. 
I loved it because it made me feel better. I was walking around all these problems hoping that other people would fail, fail, fail. Please fail so I can make myself feel better. Oh, they're not that good. They're not that, that, they have this problem. They have this problem. They're not that holy, holy. So he worked with me. He said, Jake, you're an encourager. Jake, you're an encourager. I said, no, I'm not. He said, Jake, the thing that you're most discouraged about is the thing that God actually wants for you to become. You see, the plank in your eye is often a, a, a barrier to the destiny that God has for you. So the thing that you're most discouraged about is the thing that God actually wants to use you in, use me in. So he told me, you're an encourager, Jake. And I was like, whoa, like I can be, I can do that. So he spoke in encouragement by saying I was an encourager, but it doesn't have to be that you're an encourager. He just spoke encouragement and life into me. He spoke grace into me in order to elevate me. He didn't point out and try to deal with all my problems. He didn't say, Jake, you shouldn't compare yourself to others. He said, Jake, you're an encourager. He planted a seed of life into me. And then two years later, two years later, I was, I was praying and reading the Bible and God spoke something into my heart. And he, it, was like a, it was like a passion. It still stirs in me today. He's like, Jake, I want you to be a person who calls out the destiny of those around you. He said, Jake, I want you to be a person who calls out the golden people. I want you to be the person who calls out the gold and the people who shake the nation. He said, Jake, I might not lead you to be the person to shake the nation, but I want you to call out the gold and the people who are gonna shake the nation. And I was like but I want to be in the spotlight, God. He's like, no, Jay, you can't be. I'm calling you to be an encourager. And that's me. I understand not everyone has that same heart, but it's still a truth that we, that we in the body of Christ have that we need to be finding the golden people and not the problems in people. We've done a pretty good job of finding problems in people, haven't we, as the church? We've done a pretty good job of, of judging the outside world and saying, you guys are messed up. And we haven't done a very good job of, of loving people, of, of calling the gold out, calling the positives that we see in people. Even if they don't believe, God has a plan for them and he wants, us, he wants to partner and team up with us in order to pull out the gold, the masterpiece, the treasure that's inside of them and say, you were born for more than just an earthly life. Amen. It's our privilege to do that as followers of Jesus because Jesus did that all the time. So I started, God spoke that into me that, that, that I'm supposed to pull out the golden people and that I'm supposed to encourage and, and, and give encouragement in, in people. And then he started to work it, work it in me and it started to become real. And I started to, to, to practice it. And it's actually, it's kind of scary. <laughs> especially when you're saying things to, to people that, that you don't know and say, even saying, giving encouraging words can sometimes be awkward, can it? If you've ever been like, hey, I really appreciate, it's like awkward when you give an encouraging word. And I, my hope is that here at Access, that it would become normal and it wouldn't be awkward. That we create an environment, we can encourage and call it the gold. And it's just like, hey, you're awesome. You're gonna be this, you're gonna be that. You're gonna be in missions. You're gonna shake the world. You're gonna shake the city. You're gonna shake your work. Oh God, I was praying about you and you're gonna do, you're gonna do this because God put it on my heart to share that with you. Hey, you have a great smile. Hey, you bring joy wherever you go. 
And we build this culture of, of encouragement and, and, and gold digging. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. So, I, so when, I, when I was student teaching, there was, a, there was a girl in my class and she was, she was a troublemaker, but I, I felt God laid on my heart that I was supposed to call out the gold in her that I was supposed to call out the gold in her. So every day I saw her, I said, hey, sweetie, you're a leader. I said, hey, sweetie, you're not a mess up. I said, hey, sweetie, you're a leader and people follow you and you're gonna be a good influence on the school and you're gonna graduate. And, you're, and I started speaking life into this girl. And even, but here's the reality, it didn't change overnight. She still misbehaved. She still did things that were inappropriate. And then one day, it was, it was seriously, it makes me cry. It was, it was my last week in student teaching and she came to me and she said, Mr. B, I don't want to be a naughty, I don't want to be a bad girl anymore. I started crying. I was like, oh my gosh. I said, I said, sweetie, do you think you can be, do you think you can be more? She said, yeah, I do. I think I can be more. I think I can be more. Now, did she change just from that moment? No, but I was planting seeds of belief and gold in her. As I was praying for her, I, I felt God put it on my heart and I felt God, and I don't know if this is going to happen, but it was just something that I pray. I still pray over this girl. He said, that girl is going to be a pastor's wife. I was like, whoa. I was like, God, you're going to perform a miracle for that to happen, but I believe in miracles. <laughs> it's still something that I pray because I still want to deposit. I still want to find and, and pray the gold into her and intercede for her. And here's the reality. We're, we're always supposed to find gold. We're designed to find problems. Jesus is our model. Jesus only found the golden people, except if somebody was religious, and then he pointed out the fault. In Luke 6, Jesus says he's going to turn Simon Peter, James, and John into fishers of men. So these guys were fishermen and Jesus says, I'm going to make you, you're going to be fishers of men. They're, they're probably like, I have no idea what that means. That's the weirdest prophetic word I've ever heard. But he's making them. See, he called out the gold. He called out the future. He called out the destiny that they had in them. See, we're always supposed to find that gold in people. If we're going to call it the gold and if we're, going to be, uh, if we're going to be encouragers, if we're going to be these people, we have to make a commitment. And here's the commitment we have to make. We have to make a commitment to walk through life with those people. We can't be the people who are just like, you're awesome. And then like never talk to them again. <laughs> See, it's about follow through. It's about building that relationship. It's about not just telling them they can do it, but showing them and leading them and encouraging them and praying with them. Does that make sense? If we're, going to be, if we're going to be treasure hunters, if we're going to be people who find the hidden treasure, we have to, be, we have to invest in people. Because although it can happen from just a word, it's cultivated through a relationship. That makes sense? So I want to I pray it out. God, I thank you for this group of people that we are encouragers. God, I thank you that we find the best in people. I thank you most of all for Jesus who's our perfect model and who's our savior, who's our friend, who's our king.
God, I pray that, that we would be people who see the best, God. And then when we do see fault, God, I pray that we, would, that we would gently walk up to someone and gently restore them into the image of Christ. That we would bring them up in love, always connecting the problem with the, with the gold, always connecting the problem with their destiny. God, I thank you for, for, for Jesus Christ that he's risen. I thank you for your love that is never ending. In Jesus' name, amen.